How will you respond to a major incident? And I call them predictable failures because you're not going to stop everything, but you can make a plan for putting a bubble around how bad it will be. So it's mm. minor inconvenience, not a major catastrophe. This is Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast where we ask the question, what does growth in dentistry look like to you? I'm Katie Polson, a dental hygienist and your host. Welcome to another episode of Growth in Dentistry. I'm Katie Polson, and we are continuing our conversation on using some possible downtime in September to beef up your security. Before, before we get started there, I just want to welcome any listeners who are new. So grateful for having you here. It's, it's a good time. This is a good, it's a good place to be. And if you, if Facebook is your jam, if you like hanging out there, um, there's some really great groups. Um, there's, there's so many good dental groups on Facebook, but uh, if you want to join, uh, our dental intelligence podcast community, we have a lot of fun talking about data and giving advice on how to implement that into your practice. Um, also if you are a current, uh, active listener, we'd love for you to rate and review this podcast. It helps, um, extend our viewership to other people. And, uh, I read every one of them. So that'd be great. Uh, and if you're a current customer, we have launched, uh, I'm sure you've heard, heard about this already. If you've, if you've listened, but if not, we've launched an incredibly valuable tool within your, um, analytics platform where you it's called our DI community and you can get together with other people, like-minded people and ask questions of each other. Uh, we kind of try to stay out of it. We just monitor, monitor the conversations, but it's really just people in the practice talking to one another, and and getting and getting the questions answered it's a really great space to be and if you're not a current customer and want to be one we have a special offer for those for those listening to our show today if you go to get.dentalintel.com forward slash podcast you'll get fifty dollars when you complete a demo and i'll make sure to put that link in our show notes Ah, with all that (laughs) we are so happy i'm i'm so happy to be able to have amy wood from Copper Penny Consulting today to talk about security in particular with data breaches and HIPAA compliance. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, she has, for those of you that are listening and not watching, she has this incredibly wonderful camera and I'm, I have camera envy right now. So I, if you're not watching, you should go. If you have, if you're looking for a good webcam, you should get her. I seriously, I'm like digging it. Like, yeah, you've never... Like I have all the lighting guys. I have all the things and she is beating me a hundred percent at the, at the camera game. That's it's awesome. Um, okay. Enough of enough tech talk. Um, although no, that's all we're going to talk about (laughs) enough equipment tech talk. Um, uh, Amy, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into the really sexy topic of data breaches and dentistry. (laughs) um, It's a hard topic. And most people hear that I talk about HIPAA and cybersecurity and data breaches, and Mm -hmm. they immediately take a step away from me. (laughs) It's like, but I'm fun. I'm actually interesting. Um, I got into this because I have been a victim of identity theft because of my dental x-rays. And the, the short version of the story was I had been working in IT with my husband for a lot of years, and we had catered mostly to small dental practices. 
And um, I decided because we were around all these dentists that that was a great time to do this crazy orthopedic surgery. I had a class three bite. I had all kinds of issues. And in the end, it was a great thing to do, even though I rejected my titanium. Mm-hmm. But about a year and a half after my initial surgery, I got a letter in the mail saying that the imaging center had been acquired by the hospital across the street. And they sent their team of IT guys over. So all the nerds and geeks, which I say lovingly because I'm married to one, and um, they came over to the imaging center to transfer all these x-rays and the front desk person had never worked with a team of IT guys. They had what in the industry we call a break fix relationship, where you just hire a guy to fix the broken thing, pay them hourly and move on. Mm. And so she didn't trust them and made an unauthorized copy of thousands of people's x-rays, including my panos onto a thumb drive and then lost it. And I should air quotes lost it mm-hmm. um, because they all ended up on the dark web for sale. And so my name, birth date, social security number, and my insurance medical record number have been for sale for over a decade and people still try to use it. That's insane. What a crazy story. I mean, you hear these things, but <laughs> you don't know, oh, actually... I attract all the weird. <laughs> well, 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 what a powerful story. And thank you so much for sharing that, that little bit. Cause I, I, we, again, like you hear, you hear to be careful, but I, you know, until you meet someone that's really affected, it's hard to really take it to heart and for serious. So let's, let's get into it. Let's get into the, this topic really, um, because, and this, this episode will launch in September, middle end of September. And some people might be finding themselves with an opportunity to have a little bit of downtime. And originally I thought, well, let's just talk about best practices for downtime. But as I got going, like we, if we're ever going to talk about like security issues, now would be a great time to do it. Because if you have downtime, use it to fill your time to make, make these changes that we're going to talk about today. So what are some of the biggest threats, I guess, when it comes to cyber security and data breaches that I, I, that you would suggest? Um, the big one is ransomware. And just, yeah. Can you define that for someone that doesn't know what that is? Sure. So ransomware is a, uh, think of it like a computer virus on steroids. It's a a version of something called malware. And it usually comes in through either a compromised website that you go to and click on something, Mm -hmm. or most commonly it's coming in through an email attachment. So that it used to be that you'd get these emails from people saying I'm from Africa and I need to send $30 million out. Please send me $2,500 to get it out of the country. Right. That's not the case anymore. It's a very cleverly crafted email that tries to convince you to do something simple like open a resume, which is huge right now because of the, the employee shortage. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. yeah. Like something as simple as trying to get a new employee could compromise your whole office. And what generally happens is you open the attachment, the program runs, and within a couple of seconds, all of your computers will slow down and a pop-up message will show up on every single computer saying that your data is being held hostage for ransom. You have to pay a certain amount of money to these hackers in Bitcoin and online mm-hmm. cryptocurrency, and it has to be done within a certain amount of time. Now, in the meantime, these hackers have already extracted a copy of your data and they're selling it on the dark web, whether you pay them or not. 
Mm-hmm. So it's, and, and the worst part of it now is that these hackers are going through the data set. They're going through that information and they're going to patients directly and saying, we know me- what medications you take. We know when you're going to be away from home, when your next appointment is, uh, we know your children's names, birth dates, social security numbers, your insurance information. Oftentimes it's tied to medical information. It's, it's just, it's madness. <laughs> It makes me like physically sick. (laughs) Well, when I go to one of my FBI meetings, I want to go to somewhere that's completely off the grid and live in a mountainside with no internet activity at all whatsoever. So I understand the impulse to to feel that way. I never want to open anything ever again. (laughs) But the reality is if you're, if you use a little bit of common sense about it and, and understand what the threats actually are these days, you can combat all of this. Really, they're just looking for low hanging fruit. Yeah. Let's get into that a little bit because Let's let's talk about what we can do. <laughs> we can um, breathe. Well, we, we can, can take a deep breath. Yes, yes, we can. We can breathe. Actually, before we got on our call, we had a little chance to, t- to talk um, earlier this week, and there was a story that I would love for you to share uh, while we're recording about um, paper charting. Um, let's talk about that because I, I know many of you might might still be holding on to these these paper charts. Uh, thinking that you probably should be. So give us that, give us, give us that before we get into the, how do we fix things? Yeah. Ironically, the last five calls I've gotten have been related to theft of paper charts for the purpose of identity theft. And there, there used to be this thought process that even if you digitized your records, you still had to keep the originals for a certain period of time. And most people forget about that. Well, the, the criminals haven't, and they're definitely utilizing that. Um, I had a doctor recently that had some in a basement storage unit uh, in their building. And about a year after the last time they had been down there, they went down and realized, hey, the door's off its hinges and there's a couple boxes missing. Well, the good news is in this case, this doctor was very detail oriented and knew exactly which 96 patients were affected. Yeah. That's just not usually the case. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't imagine that would probably not very many people would know which charts are actually, are actually there. So yeah. I think this office was a little OCD about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> worked in my thing. favor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, good thing. Good thing that, that they did, but also, I mean, just something to think about I mean, when we talk about, we're talking about data breaches. We often think about what you just described clicking on an email and going through that way. But there are people are also able to steal identities through paper charts and keeping those secure or making sure you're up to date on like actually having them. So let's talk about the fixes of some of the problems that you come in contact with. Sure. So, um, I mean, I've seen data breaches in a lot of different ways. It's generally ransomware. That's almost 70% is ransomware. Um, People are forgetting about physical theft of things, whether it be a server, and that's not an excuse to go to cloud. Uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, But you know, there's also uh, people just making mistakes I had someone put a sheet of paper at a fax machine incorrectly, and that caused a whole incident. Um, 
because they like to recycle paper. So they had a daily schedule on one side and a single statement of a patient on the other, and they faxed mm. the wrong thing to the insurance carrier. Um, the biggest one I'm seeing a huge increase in right now is third-party vendors and business associates. And I don't mean associate doctors. I mean, your someone even like dental Intel, mm. uh, which I know they're doing things the right way because they've answered all my questions. They've, <laughs> they've been vetted and they take this seriously, uh, which is why we're talking. Yes. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's a lot of things like that, but trying to protect it is really, you're trying to put a parameter around how bad things can be. And really there's kind of five big components. You have to identify what your vulnerabilities are. Uh, through a risk analysis. And honestly, at this point, it's not really something you should be doing yourself. It's it's a lot more complicated than it used to be. Um, you have to protect all your assets. And that means things like having business grade antivirus, having a firewall, having backups that you can recover within 48 hours, um, using encrypted email, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then being able to detect what anomalies there are, that one's really difficult to do. Uh, especially in the dental space. Um, and then how you respond is kind of, you know, the fourth big thing is what is your incident response plan? How will you respond to a major incident? And I call them predictable failures because you're not going to stop everything, but you can make a plan for putting a bubble around how bad it will be. So it's mm. a minor inconvenience, not a major catastrophe. Um, and then the last component is how do you recover? And a lot of that is PR. Yeah. And that's something I've gotten really good at over the years. I feel like I missed my calling in life. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, you, you let you missed your calling and being able to spin, spin the story, <laughs> spin the story in a positive way. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about those last two, because I think, um, oftentimes we think about the pre part, like all of the, all of the, the bits about making sure that you're safe. So it never happens, but we live in a world where it probably will get to a point at some point where more than likely you will become the victim and set what scale it's yet to be determined, right? Obviously, hopefully not, not big, but having a, like an incident management plan is such a great idea. And probably one that nobody's really thought about, like, what does that look like? I'm actually doing a workshop on it awesome. at EDA next week. Ah, um, so at, if anybody's at, in Northern at, California. At CDA? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Do you do these workshops often? Um, this is actually the first one I'm doing specifically for this. It's actually awesome. a workshop called I've Been Hacked, Now What? Awesome. And, um, and I'm actually doing an incident response plan one-on-one -on -one with each person that's there so that they know kind of what their top priorities are in their office and who they contact and kind of what the phone tree looks like and you know having important information like who's your insurance carrier who's your IT provider um you know what what's the most likely scenario and it's ransomware is pretty high but to be honest the most likely downtime scenario is power or internet outage Mm. for every office. It's yeah. not, it's not natural disaster. It's not even ransomware. It's power and internet outage. Yeah. Which I mean, it only takes the power to go out one time in general office <laughs> to realize how badly you rely on, 
I live in Northern California. We're in wildfire country, so we're used to it. Oh my gosh. I mean, so many times I'm like, well, I guess I can't do anything. I, you know, like I can't even practice. Like not only is it affecting your, your patient's security and your practice's security, but now it affects your ability to actually do the dentistry, Yeah, which is, which is on a whole nother level. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll, I'll make sure to add that little, we'll make, I'll get that information for CDA and um, this might go live after, but um, we'll also get, put your information at the end too. So if they want to walk through an incident management plan, but that's such a good idea to, to have an idea of what's going to happen with, what am I going to do when something happens and what am I going to say to the people that are involved (laughs) Well, you know, I find it interesting in dental, everyone's required to do, uh, I swear I have COVID fog. Um, Uh I've never felt more stupid in my life. Um, I know with, with, um, uh, basic life support. Mm. And so you have to do CPR training every two years so that you build that muscle memory. Right. And the, the interesting thing is we don't do that anywhere else in our businesses. We don't, I mean, occasionally Mm. in my area, we might do an earthquake drill. We might do a fire drill, uh, but we're not doing an emergency drill. We're not really planning for, okay, just turn the power off at the breaker. How do we respond Right. What do we do next? And if we have to evacuate, what does that look like? If someone has a medical emergency in the office, how are you going to actually respond? Because mm-hmm. I know I've done CPR on a person live in person. I have too, man. It's, and it's no and it's joke. Scary. And so you're <laughs> shaking, but because you have the muscle memory, you're able to mm-hmm. just do that rote memory. Yep. And it's, it's not as scary because your muscles know what to do. Well, yep. meanwhile, in your head, you're freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> panicking. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. I can tell you we've evacuated five times in the last six years. And, um, fortunately, well, in in some ways I kind of wish the house would have just burned down because it would have been a lot easier. <laughs> but, oh, no. Um, if, well, and I wouldn't have to clean everything that yeah. would be nice, <laughs> but, oh, man. but I I've realized we do not respond well in emergency situations, no matter how many times we practice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so taking that to, to a level of your, of your internet and your, in your tech security is, is a great point. I, I love that idea. Um, what are some, I guess, common opportunities or practices could, I guess, could focus on, um, in a, in a period of downtime themselves in a data breach? I mean, what advice do you give them, I guess, for the, pre, the, to avoid it in the first place. It's uh, stop trying to avoid it because it costs money. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. the best advice I can give you. Uh, There are some easy things that you can do. Uh, Like I said, business grade antivirus, patching and and updates, uh, business grade firewall. Think of it like your perimeter security. Those making sure your backups are there if all else fails and you, you put this multi-layered defense system in place so that you're not an easy target. So I used to say it's like the JFK magic bullet. It has to get through these multiple layers of defense that overlap each other. But I had to stop using that phrase because a lot of people aren't old enough to know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And now I I can't even talk about how after 9-11, the Patriot Act allowed 
FBI to put internet filters at every internet provider because they're not old enough to know what I'm talking oh about. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, we are. I am. And the people listening, hopefully, are, or at least know their history. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, um, yeah, really, really great. And, and, and I'm, I love how you said, and you said it before when we talked before that, like, this can sound really overwhelming and it can sound, uh, very, very expensive, um, but it doesn't have to be. And so what does that, I, I'm assuming, cause these people, a lot of people that are listening, they're just, they just want to fill holes in teeth and take care of root canals. And they don't want to do really any of this. So like, I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming. So I would suggest, first of all, I mean, how do you, how does your, do you guys help specifically to a practice and go in and help train how does that and like what you should do before during and after like if they called you if an overwhelmed practice could call you like set me up I do I do proactive and I do reactive um I don't enjoy doing reactive because it's very stressful for everyone uh in fact I my first question is what's your favorite alcohol? Because that's what I'm showing up with. Uh, and we'll get through this by the time we're done with that bottle. Right. Um, oh. but the, uh, the thing is they just have to know that it's, it's not the end of the world. If something like that happens, um, uh, on the proactive side, I, I do education. I do risk analysis. I do complete manuals. I handhold everything start to finish and make sure it's all implemented and help find the correct IT provider that's going to do the things that need to be done instead of doctors trying to piecemeal it or do them do it themselves. Because the industry as a whole for the last 20 plus years has been really pushing do it yourself or you know, do it direct with one of the big vendors. And, and those used to be appropriate, but you really need a partner in this that's going to protect you from yourself. Because oftentimes it's, it's the doctor or the office manager or the front desk people, or sometimes even the clinical team that they're just going to click on the wrong thing one time. And if you don't have a, the protections in place to kind of minimize that impact, then you're going to be calling me for a data breach investigation. Mm -hmm. And that's what we don't want. So we want to have that bubble around how bad it can be. I'd rather have it be a security incident than an actual data breach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think everybody else would too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also not all IT providers are created equal. And I'm not saying that just because I was in IT. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a wide variety. And for many, many years, uh, doctors have been pushing back on IT guys and IT guys are people pleasers especially my husband and, um, they will, they will bow down and say, okay, well you, you're telling me that you don't want to pay for that. So, um, you know, disregarding the fact that the IT guy is the expert in this mm -hmm. and the dentists generally aren't, yeah. so, you know, trust your IT guy, build a relationship with that company. And, uh, you know, there are minimum standards that they're supposed to be doing too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that there's a couple of key takeaways for me specifically that I, I just haven't thought of, which was your incident management plan. I have, I was naive to think that you could completely avoid it altogether. Yeah. Um, and also to be very selective in who and vet the people that you allow into your 
data and into your technology at your office. So that includes companies like the one I work for. Um, and we have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we no, I'm just, I mean, there's so many software companies out there who I, I, I mean, I, there's 150 plus, um, that, that you could, that you could call and they could be logged into your software in two minutes and they could set up an engagement text thing. And it would be really fun for a minute, but be careful and vet them and make sure they have what they need, um, to, to do the job. Part of my job actually is vetting vendors. Yeah. <laughs> It's talking I mean, to your boss about I, this. I, I'm the, what I want to do is say like, Hey, um, get it together, which, which ones are not good, but I'm not going to do that on this show. I would like to not no, get sued, no, but no. I, I do keep a list internally of people that have answered my questions. And, um, and when people say, Hey, I'm looking for an appointment reminder company or a data analytics company, or mm -hmm. even a, a cloud practice management system, which, you know, the common fallacy is if you move it to the cloud, now it's secure. And yeah. You know, that's, it could be, but you don't know mm -hmm. unless you ask the the tough questions and I yeah. love asking tough questions. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. So, so those are, th that's, this has been really enlightening to me. I obviously I have, I'm just, I'm just a naive hygienist that doesn't <laughs> even think of everyone is just going to work and we're all going to work for our money and nothing's going to be problem, but yeah, it's been so good. Um, we are going to do a future um, uh, article uh, co-branded with uh, Copper Penny Consulting, specifically Amy, and and going through specific steps on how to achieve this in your practice. So uh, look out for that. Uh, it may or may not be available on the release of this podcast, but for those of you future listeners, look for it in the show notes. We'll make sure it links as well. And, um, this has been such a great episode, uh, Amy, where can they find you if they want to find you? Um, my website is best it's copperpennyconsulting.com. I know it's long, but it was the best I could do. <laughs> and <laughs> she's, uh, my... she's in data breaches, not my branding and that's okay, but it's actually really cute. I like it. And you can email me at HIPAA at copperpennyconsulting.com. And even if you spell HIPAA wrong, which I hope you won't, but even if you do, it will still go to me. Yeah, great. Yeah, I'd love to have you on again, um, separate from this conversation talking about HIPAA because we didn't even get to it. And that's a whole nother conversation of um of misunderstanding of what it what it actually means and does for your practicing. Many of us have um, the wrong idea when it comes to HIPAA. So we'll have you on again. Awesome. Um, okay. Well, this has been growth and dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast. Thank you to my marketing department for all their work on the show. I'm Katie Folson. Keep growing.